So we'll continue this series on grace. Pastor uh, uh, Kevin last week, was that good? Yeah? Yeah. And we're going to continue this. As he talked about forgiveness and the grace of God that brings forgiveness to our lives, helps us to forgive others, I wanted this morning to talk about how the grace of God brings salvation on our life. But I want to make sure this morning we talk about salvation as indeed God's word talks about salvation. You see, there's a danger sometimes that we talk about salvation and we grab on a morsel or a portion of what God has to offer us in him. And we kind of claim that that is the fullness of salvation. I would tell you, we're not exactly correct. There's so much more. There's so much incredibleness of life that God has to offer us through salvation. That's what I want to talk about this morning. If you have your Bibles, flip to Colossians chapter 3. Just put your finger there. We're going to come back to it in just a, a second. It'll be on the screen. It's in your notes this morning. In fact, if you got it here and you didn't get notes, feel free to slip up your hand, Pastor Anson, and I'll come running like the wind to give you some uh, this morning. So uh, imagine this. Let's say you go to a restaurant. It, maybe it's your favorite restaurant. You go every single week, once a week, right? You might even go the same day. You sit in the same booth, maybe in the same seat in that booth, and you order the same meal every single week. That same one entree or that dish, and you drink it with the same drink every single week, right? And it's great. You love it, right? But have you experienced the fullness of what that restaurant has to offer? Like, have you experienced the fullness, everything that restaurant has to give it, everything that restaurant was designed for, have you experienced it? Uh, maybe not. Okay, so maybe you'd say, well, yeah, but Tom, I mean, I like that dish, right? It's good. It's what I want to eat. In fact, those other dishes, they don't appeal to me. All right, so uh, a different example, maybe a better example. Let's say you get married, right? Many of you are married. Some of you are engaged. Let's say you get married, right? And you have this great service or ceremony, and at the end, you know, the pastor rambles on, blah, 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 right? But he gets you to the point where he says, do you? And you say, I do, right? And hopefully the other person says, I do as well. I pronounce your husband and wife, kiss each other, everybody's happy, right? What if you said that is the fullness of marriage? I had a ceremony. I said, I do. Uh, he or she said, I do as well. You know, we, had, we both said, I do, right? That's the fullness of marriage. You never experience this growing friendship. Like, that's my best friend. This life we get to share together. Like, you never experience, like, growing old or thinking about, even processing, what would life be like growing old together? That like, you never experience, like, from now on, we're married, like, from now on, our decision-making will be very different, right? It's kind of that weird mix of compromise along with deciding uh, uh, what you'll do, and it, it all kind of works in marriage that way, right? And you never experience it. Let's go even further. Let's say you got married, you, the ceremony I do, but then you said, we're never, I mean, we're never going to do that sex thing. We're, the marriage is just I do, it's the ceremony. I would ask you, have you experienced the fullness of what God designed marriage to be? You'd say, no. I mean, all we did was say, I do at an altar. I mean, we didn't have friendship. We didn't grow old together. We didn't make decisions together. We weren't even physical together, you know? No. Here's the question this morning. Have you experienced the fullness of salvation? The fullness of what God's word teaches us about what new life in Christ is really about. The fullness of it. 
You see, God's word teaches it's amazing what a life in Christ offers us. And yet for many of us, we don't mean to do this, but what we often do is we boil down salvation, we boil down this new life in Christ to just saying, I've been forgiven of my sins. I've been forgiven. Jesus went to the cross, he died on the cross. All of this is significant, powerful stuff, by the way. But we stop there. And we forget that there's so much more that goes along with salvation. This new life in Christ. And so I want to tell you this morning, by the grace of God, his love for you, and what he offers you and I, though we may not deserve it, he offers us this fullness of salvation that goes well beyond a simple understanding of being forgiven by our sins. That's part of it. But there's so much more that comes with it. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to look at what is this fullness of salvation what does it have to offer? The word salvation, maybe you don't know, it means deliverance. That's the definition of the word salvation. It means deliverance. But deliverance from what? Uh, from our guilt or just simply from our sins? I think it's so much more than that in God's word. We get deliverance from who we are to become the person God designed us to be. That's salvation. And so we're going to look at this this morning. In fact, sometimes if we're not careful, in today's presentation of the gospel, that like Jesus' death is primarily presented just as a ransom that deals with the guilt or the, the effects of guilt regarding our, our standing or our connection with God. But there's so much more to life and a life in God than simply overturning guilt. I mean, once you've been forgiven of your sins, like you've got to live, Right? You've got to live from then on out. What does that look like, living in Christ? Listen, Jesus is about the redemption of actual, real sin. But to actual, real life. That's what he offers us. And so in entering into this life, it's, which is still going on right here on this earth, we get delivered from what our past was to become what our future can be in him. So the New Testament teaches this. In fact, Jesus teaches these things and Paul picks up on these themes. It's his understanding in Colossians. We're going to look at that today. Philippians and Titus. Um, and we also find that John writes about this in 1 John. Their understanding that salvation is so much further than simply the forgiveness of our sins. There is this new life in Christ, which is amazing. And so we'll walk through this this morning. Let's jump into this passage. It's found in... It's found in the, the book of, of Colossians, chapter 3, if you're turning. I'll give you one more second as I read you a quote from, from Dallas Willard that says this. Deliverance from sin comes from the new life of God's kingdom when we place our confidence in Jesus, the person. This, that this comes from the new life, the new life in Christ. When I want to follow Christ, that is the beginning point of all he has to offer me in salvation. So let's take a look at this passage. If you have your Bibles, jump in there. If not, follow along in, the, in your sermon notes. Uh, it reads like this, chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. 
Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off the old self and its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, schism, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dear, dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has agreements against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Well, let's just take a look. If you have your outline, we're asking this question. What does salvation have to offer? Let's start with this. Paul tells us about this change of mindset. That the first thing he says is, since then you've been raised with Christ, set your hearts on other things, things from above, from Christ, and set your minds on these things as well, not on earthly things. But what is Paul saying there? Paul is telling us, you like have a completely new framework you, you get to set your heart and mind on. Now think about heart and mind for a second. Like that is the center of who we are. You might say like, I, I, I think that with all my mind. What are we saying? Like that is the core of what I'm thinking of. Or even more so we say, I love that with all my heart. What are we saying? I mean, that is at the center of who I am. And so what Paul is saying here is, now you get to focus on this new life that comes from Christ that will be the center of your heart and of your mind. It's going to change you dynamically, changing your mindset entirely. I mean, think about this morning. If I walked into your work, like, I don't know, let's say wherever you work, there's some system-based thing in place. Maybe you work at a school and you've got a system or a factory and you've got a system in place. And let's say I walk in and I say, okay, great news. I've got a new system for your business. This is going to be incredible. You're going to love it. You're going to have full joy and satisfaction in your work. Productivity is going to go through the roof. Your salary is going to create. It's going to be amazing. All right, have that. I'm out. What would be your first question? You'd be like, oh, okay, great. What is the system? What is it? But Jesus is coming in here. Paul is, is, is telling us. The system is you get to have a complete change of heart and mind, a totally new approach to life entirely. That's how it starts. This new life in Christ changes our hearts. For some of you seated here today, that's good news. Like you just know there's like a darkness in your heart. And what God offers, what Jesus brings, is a whole new heart. Do we get to set on things that are not as he says, earthly, or worldly, or broken. We get to set our things on the things of our heart and the things of God. That's where it starts, this new life in Christ. In fact, for those baptized this morning, that's where it began. This new life in Christ. This thinking of living a different way with a new heart and, and understanding a different Lord in my life would be something amazing. 
And that's really what it means to have a Lord. What do you turn your heart and your mind over to? And that's how it be, begins, a changing of our mindset, our heart, our mind, and set on entirely different things. You see, the second thing that's on the list is sometimes where we get tripped up and we start with it as the first thing in everything. And that's what Paul goes into. He says, you get a change of behavior is the second thing. Notice he says, look, you used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourself of these things. What is Paul saying there? Is that we actually, when we experience new life in Christ, when our heart gets set on something new and our mind gets set on something new, guess what? We start to evaluate the old way. We start to evaluate how we're living, how we're thinking, how we're behaving, and we start to say, wait, this doesn't seem very compatible with this new way I get to set my heart and mind. This just doesn't seem to work very well. You see, what we do sometimes if we're not careful is we push so strongly on people to change their behavior and their minds and their ways or their sins, but we've never offered them this new heart and mind in Christ. And so it just doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to them. It's just behavioral modification. Now, we understand there's some amazing dangers in the way people live their life. We would love to see them stop right now, right here. But notice how Paul is starting with the heart and mind connected with God and who he is. And out of that, we start to say, wait, wait a second, this life is not compatible. The way I live, these behaviors, these decisions I used to make, they're just not compatible. We saw three people baptized. It was wonderful, right? You know, chances are they don't walk out of here. And like everything behavioral, in their life will change just like that. Like the Lord will actually be speaking to them, growing them, teaching them. We'll be working with them in a discipleship process. There'll be times where the Holy Spirit, out of the blue, for reasons we don't even understand, will talk to their heart and say, okay, let's talk about how you, how you speak. Or let, let's talk about you know, your anger. Let's talk, and what will be happening? They'll be saying, you know, this behavior is not compatible with the grace I've experienced in the heart and mind of Jesus Christ. When I was in college, uh, really high school is where it was all happening, and then I took it into college, I lied pretty regularly. You know, like, like little, you know, it's just little lies, embellishments, um, things like that. Did you realize embellishments are lies as well? Uh, like, I would embellish things for reasons I couldn't explain. Like, there was no advantage. It's not like I was getting out of trouble, like I was not getting anything for it when I did it. I just felt like, you know, instead of saying two, I said I did it four times. You know, I, I don't even know why. Those things, it was just kind of how I rolled. And so I'm sitting at, I became a Christian when I was 16, but I'm sitting at college, 18 years old, and I'm in this little prayer chapel, um, and it's like God hit me. I didn't go in there for that reason. And God hit my heart, and he said, Tom, let's just talk about this. Let's talk about this stretching of the truth, this embellishing. Let's talk about outright lies. And it was like I said, man, that it, for the first time, I was like, wow, that is so incompatible with the new life in Christ that I've been living the last two years. I'd love to tell you, I walked out of that chapel, I've never told a lie in my life since, you know? But that's not quite been the case. But certainly that was a conscious behavior. And then that was something the Lord helped me to get out of my daily life. Now, you might ask the question, well, Tom, was that your effort 
that that changed, or was that the work of the Holy Spirit in you? Yes. Yes would be the answer. Yeah, I efforted. But the Lord, it's a real word. Is it not? I just got called out on using the word efforted, and I've been making a strong effort not to use it in sermons, but uh, it slipped out. Sorry. Let's just rewind, okay? Was it my effort, or was it the Holy Spirit? Yes, is the answer. I put effort out, um, but the Holy Spirit engages with me as well. It's me saying, look, this is what I control, and I'm going to put my what I control under the control of God. So yeah, God worked that way in my life and change of behavior. Sometimes if we only start, if we're only focusing on behavior, and we're not focusing on the life, the heart and mind of God, we have a hard time figuring out how to put these behaviors aside. We have a hard time sometimes figuring out how to share the gospel with someone else because at times we're only sharing a change of behavior and not the heart and mind of God that we get to live under. The third thing that we find there is a reminder from Paul. We find it all through his writings, and he says it this way, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Paul's reminding us that you've been forgiven. You have been forgiven. So don't for a second think, if I say the wholeness of salvation is more than just forgiveness of sin, that somehow I'm saying the, the, the forgiveness of our sin is not significant. It's, it's incredibly insignificant. We find in the Old Testament that it actually works all the way through this sacrificial system, this understanding of forgiveness of sin works all the way through. But just like the Hebrews of the Old Testament would often come offer their sacrifices because that was the ritual they needed to do, and then just live life how they wanted to live life. No relationship with God. So the same as today. God doesn't want you to claim forgiveness of sins without a daily walk of relationship with his heart and his mind. He says there's so much more to salvation. But Paul reminds us here, forgiveness is important. You have been forgiven. If you're here today, and your hang-up is what you've done in your past or even what you're doing right now, and you think, how could a God love me? We've never held a baptism service, right? Lightning has never struck in any of them. Nobody who has ever come to church who has come from a wild and crazy life, the church has never burned down because they walked in the door. The Lord so wants to connect with you, to offer forgiveness for you wherever you're at, equally. Christians, if you sought God for forgiveness, he's forgiven you. Let it go. It's time to understand he's not sitting there dwelling on it. You need to let it go. Now, if you're continuing that sin, that's a whole different story. God's still got some work to do with you right on that. But whoever you were in the past, whatever you did, think about the, the most horrible people ever on the planet that you can think of God's forgiveness was offered even for them. And because of that, Paul reminds us, look, bear with each other and forgive one another. Equally, he's saying here, like, if you have received God's forgiveness, you've got to turn around and offer it to someone else. Just think about, you might be the grace of God that they need to kickstart salvation for themselves. And so to turn around 
This week I was listening to a, a celebrity who was talking about an experience in their life, and they used the phrase that we often hear, I could never forgive them for that. That was a terrible act that was done to him, but I could never forgive them. And can I tell you that Paul over and over, and Christ himself for sure, says, no, we've got to forgive. We've got to offer forgiveness just as God forgave us. We actually get with salvation this ability to offer forgiveness to other people. Even at times where it makes no sense and we think we shouldn't do it, we get the ability to offer it. Final thing, and I think one of the most significant here, what does salvation have to offer? It offers the gift of new living entirely. And we get to become something absolutely different than we were. It's going to look different than what we were. Listen to what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy, that means set apart, set apart and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 14, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I love the, the metaphor that you use, clothe yourself. As if we're looking at, like, I mean, when we go out and we shop for clothes. Now, I know there might be a couple of you out there that are like, whatever, I just, you know, I just grab it off the shelf. I don't, I don't really care about clothes. But for the most of you, like, you think about your clothes, like, does this work for me? Does this look good on me? Does this make me look like, you know, kind of what I want to look? I want to look like a businessman today, or, you know, I want to look like a, you know, athletic today, or whatever. We think through our clothes, right? What he's saying here is now clothe yourself with the things of God. May you now look, when people look on you, may they look on you with compassion and kindness and humility, but they see that in you. When I think about that, I think about our actions and our words as well. Is what we're doing and how we're living, do they show these characteristics of who God is? Salvation offers us that. A whole new way to live our life, to live with compassion, See, um, my wife, Sheree's friend, just recently was diagnosed with cancer. They've been friends their whole life. They grew up on the mission field together in the Philippines, went their separate ways, and lo and behold, we ended up in Kentucky together in seminary. And then went all our separate ways, and lo and behold, she ended up in Asheboro, and we're in Greensboro. And just recently diagnosed with cancer. And I have immediately seen this kick start, this kick level of compassion that Shri has had on her friend. Driving down there, taking meals uh, for her. Usually at our Thanksgiving dinner, we invite anyone to come to our Thanksgiving dinner, church, Shri's work, at my gym. Anyone who doesn't have a place, come to, to our, our dinner table. We're actually like thinking through that this year for her friend who usually comes because we know germs are a big issue. Preparation of food is a big issue now as she works through chemo and stuff. And like Shree's leading that charge. Why? Because there's a level of compassion that is rooted in Shree's relationship that now that this is needed on a different level, Shree's able to offer it. Why? I believe it's Shree's life in Christ. It's a characteristic of what God does for us, and we turn around and do it as well. I mean, look at that list. Do you work through that and go, oh, I'm challenged by that list? And I'm also encouraged by this. I look at that list and, and I think, wow, those are good things. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness. Oh, patience. So, you know, it's like immediately God, just read the word and God speaks a little bit into my heart and challenges me a little bit uh, with, with the word patience. Maybe that works out the same way for you. What's being said here? 
you actually, through God's grace, through how the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life, through your effort as well, that you get to put on a whole new set of clothes. You get to look totally different. You get to look as somebody who's compassionate, who's kind and humble. Humble is not like, you know, you stand to the side quietly, you know, and wait your turn. Uh, humble is like, you deserve this, but the sake, for the sake of God's kingdom, you're willing to go down here and be right here, whatever it takes, whatever it takes for the kingdom. That's humility, gentleness, and patience. Then, of course, he says, on all these virtues, put on love. I was challenged Monday at a pastor's conference. I was challenged, what does love look like in the church? That, I mean, I would so love everyone that I don't care who walked through that door today. We want them here to hear about Jesus. That the wife beater, we want to walk through that door. Do I condone their actions? Not ever. I want that person in this church so they would hear the gospel. They'd hear about Jesus Christ. And the list could go on and on and on of people and how they live and how they're choosing to live. Things that might even be just horrible. But I want them to come to know Jesus and I'm going to figure out how to love that person. Because that's what God helps me clothe and put on. Don't confuse love with conforming. Love opens up the door for salvation for that person. And you know what Paul is saying? You get that with salvation. You get that. So can you see now, as we walk through this, it's so much more than simply saying, I'm forgiven. In fact, there's a bumper sticker. You've seen it. If it's on your car this, this morning, I will not walk out to the parking lot and say anything. I'll just pretend I didn't see it. But the bumper sticker says, not perfect, just forgiven. Have you, have you seen this? You know, um, maybe you've said it. It's as if we're saying, look, I'm not perfect, you know. We know that, right? I mean, we know you. You know me. You're not perfect. So, but I'm just, I'm forgiven. As if there's anything more to life than just being forgiven. There's so much more to what God has to offer. You are so much more than simply being forgiven. You are a new life in Christ. And salvation offers this. A new heart and mind. Salvation offers you a new set of lenses on how you look at behavior and how you change behavior. It offers you the understanding you are forgiven. As the Bible says, there's no, there's no consequences to that. And that you can turn and forgive others. And of course, the Bible, salvation tells us that you can be clothed totally different and function totally different putting on the characteristics of God. So here's a question this morning. This is your takeaway question I want you to process. Then I want to say one more word about it, and then I'm going to give you a moment to reflect and think about it. It's this. Where have you shortchanged salvation in your life? Where have you shortchanged this? And really, have you lived a life where you just are like, man, I, I mean, I, I said a prayer one time back in high school. I said, I said it just like you're supposed to say it, Lord, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I'm going to live for you. Amen. And, and that was it. Right? I got my sins forgiven. I'm right with God. Can I tell you, you shortchanged salvation. There's so much more God wants to do in your life. There's so much missing. And the new life in Christ and what he wants to create in you. 
maybe this morning you're like, hey, I'm forgiven. I've got some, I got some hang-ups in my behavior, but you know, hey, God keeps forgiving me. He's got grace. And it's, tr it's true, God loves you. He'll forgive you every time you go to him. But don't think for a second we manipulate God. Don't think for a second we twist his arm behind his back telling him what he has to do. And don't think for a minute those behaviors aren't destructive to what you can be in him. Maybe this morning you struggle and you're just having a hard time with only forgiveness. You've been forgiven. You've been forgiven. Or maybe it's you won't forgive somebody else. But do you know the rationalization of receiving forgiveness but not offering it doesn't make any sense. Or maybe you look at all those things and you say, wow, when I, read, when I really read the list of the new clothes in him I get to put on, I just don't know if people would describe me as compassionate or kind or humble, gentle, or patient. I've probably been pushing hard against those characteristics. And this morning, you just need to let it flow. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to give you just a moment. I, I, I'm going to start the prayer. I'm just going to stop and give you a minute or so. Just go before God, however you need to speak to him. I'd love to say at the end of that prayer, like every single one of these would be fixed and, and you know you, you won't ever have to deal with it again. But this is the beauty. It is a relationship, an ongoing, growing relationship in God. And so this morning, just do whatever business with you. Confess before him. If you need to confess sin before him, confess it. Seek forgiveness. I can't tell you in a heartbeat, he'll forgive you of your sins. Confess it. If this morning, any one of the things we've talked about, you just need to say, Lord, give me these new clothes. Help me to be compassionate, whatever it is. Just go to him. It's, we're all different. We're right on the journey. So let me start it, and then I'll pause and let you pray on your own. Then we'll finish up our morning service. Father, thank you for what you have to offer in you. Thank you for salvation. Lord, the word means deliverance. Lord, there's something totally different about being forgiven and then being delivered. Delivered out of a life of sin or self into a life, real life in you. Father, that life is a pursuit. And I pray this morning that in some way, every single person here in just a moment when they spend their own time with you, that the description would be they are pursuing you right here, right now, in whatever area. Whether it be by confession or commitment, whatever it may be. Lord, back here, every every heart that lifts it, let's lift it up in prayer in the next minute. Start and a spark, and now send us out here with this 
longings, Lord, to be close to you, to live in you, to be a new, a new person in you. And we'll give you the praise, Lord, in whatever way. In your son's name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, uh, if